There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sinead, how would you go in a professional kitchen as a chef or a sous chef or whatever? Oh, terribly. Why is that? Well, they don't get to cook anything. Hmm. They just yell at people. <laughs> I was thinking maybe you wouldn't go so well because you can't watch YouTube at the same time. It's what you normally do when you cook. Listen, I need a little bit of entertainment <laughs> at all times in my life. See, I'm a terrible cook and I hate cooking, so I don't think I'd go well. Just personally. All right. You might disagree. I don't know. Well, let's just not go into that career path. Okay. Fair enough. Hello there, welcome to I Only Like You and Movies. My name's Lonnie, my partner's name is Sine. How are you doing, Sine? Hello. Good, thanks. Are you, are you awake? Uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> you sound awake, so I'm just checking, you know. To- totally awake. <laughs> How many alarms did you sleep through? Um, that's not relevant, okay. really, for <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> Now, on this podcast, Sine and I talk about movies we've seen recently and movies we want, to, want you to watch in the main. Now, this one is really one that I'm going to support and encourage you to see. It was at the British Film Festival, um, run by Palace in sort of October, November, December. Um, but the film itself, I think, is still getting a release next year, which would be be great to, to get around. Mm-hmm. The film's boiling point, isn't it, Sine? It is. Now, for the British Film Festival... We were going to watch a few films and talk about them, right? You watched those couple films. I only got around a boiling point because the other film um, that we had scheduled could not play for some reason. The file was corrupted or something. So, sorry, I can't talk about that one. Why do you always have these issues in cinemas? I'm, 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 I'm that guy, Sine. I just, I live that life. I'm just know? saying, like, what's the common denominator? It's me. So I'm what weird. are you doing wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I'm cursed, maybe. But... My point is, I don't, I don't care because Boiling Point is one of the best films I've seen this year. Yeah, it's pretty great. Isn't it? Now, what's it about, Sine? Talk us through it. So the whole point of the film is that it's one take with mm. no cuts. And it actually is one take and there's no hidden cuts, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And it follows a working kitchen. Um, Stephen Graham plays Andy Jones, who is the chef at a restaurant and it sort of takes place over the night in the restaurant with all the different people coming in, different cast of characters. There's like a table of Instagram influencers. Mm-hmm. There's a really jerky family who are racist, um, a guy who was trying to propose at dinner, and he's got some unfinished history, I guess, with this celebrity chef who he used to own a restaurant with. And so it essentially takes place over the course of this evening, all in one take, and things keep going wrong. Yeah. Isn't it a terrific concept? Brilliant. And they shot a short of this film. Like, this was based on a short 
and then they were able to, you know, get the funding and make it into a feature length. The old, the old whiplash trick. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I think we're going to get to some spoilers now, but if you want to leave off here, I'd recommend you see it. It's really great. Yeah, and it sort of takes you behind the scenes, so you sort of have the... It's almost like there's the backstage and the front stage of a performance, which I really kind of something I want to talk about more. But, yeah, just really well done, great acting, great performances, um, great casting as well, mm-hmm. and just a great movie. I just really recommend it. Now, it was written and directed by Philip Barantini, and he's an actor of some note um, in the UK. And what I was reading, and I'll find the article and put it in our show notes, is that, um, you know, as a lot of actors do, you've got times where you're really... Um, in vogue and you're getting lots of jobs and other times where you're more lean and so when he was in those lean periods he would actually go back and work in restaurants and so a lot of the film is based on his personal experiences apparently mm-hmm. which is really cool um and it's, it's one of those things for me Sine, is that the film the content and the performances in the story is great and you know you might say it's a gimmick but i think it's like the technical um draw for this film is all is all one take but it really works for me as well. It's not just like something that is a distraction or or, or something just hook you in sort of a, as a conceit. I think it actually really worked. So, you know, on that side of things, I think it's doing something technically interesting, but also the story underneath it all is really great as well. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think it gives the film a certain mood, right? Like hmm. the frenzy and frantic nature of working in, in a restaurant in a kitchen it's kind of enhanced by one take because it feels like you're there and you only have one minute to fix this plate out of food before it goes back out. Like, mm. I agree with you. It's not a gimmick. I think it's certainly a technical challenge he set for himself mm. um, and he definitely pulled it off. And it, I don't know. I find it really engaging. Like, we love Birdman. 1917, mm. the most recent films that do mm. this that I can think of. Um, I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> really yeah, you am. love it, don't you? <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> but I think, like, I don't know, just knowing that when the camera pans left, there are a million assistants in the background setting up mm. the next shot for the, mm-hmm. when the camera turns around. It's just so incredible to me. And the take that they got in this film, so they were shooting and then there was sort of a COVID scare and they ran through the film, you know, obviously lots of rehearsals and lots Mm -hmm. of time when things go wrong and someone's not in the right place and someone forgets what they're supposed to do. Like the amount of rehearsal would be insane. But they essentially had, you know, one last night before COVID was coming and they had to shut down productions and this was, they were hoping to get, you know, five to ten takes of the whole film and pick the best one but they really only had a couple which were okay and then they had this one last night and this one Mm. night is the take that they ended up using um because it's the pressure of you know having to get it right and this is the last time we could ever run through it so it's just it's really great it's really great and it doesn't feel like a play i think i've Mm. had that complaint i can't remember do you remember fences was a one take it wasn't one take but it felt play-like, didn't it? It did. It felt very much like we were watching these two characters' mm. monologue, essentially. This, you're, you're totally injected into the restaurant and things are happening around you and it's such an immersive way to tell this mm-hmm. story. 
Yeah, it's so dynamic and and you, it's alive, isn't it? Like you really do feel like you're there. Yeah, definitely. Unlike other films where it is like kind of like the camera's back just watching what's happening, I think this one you do feel like you're part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just know for sure I'd be the one guy that like get to the 88th minute of the 90-minute take and I, just, I drop a play or something in the background or I walk in front of the camera <laughs> and I'm not supposed to. <laughs> I'm like, oh, can we go again? Because I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm like Ron, who sneezes when the when the reindeer are outside. I mean, that <laughs> never gets old, that line. Because we've both been Ron and we've both been the wife. Like, everyone yeah. can relate to both. Nice, Ron. I'll see if I can link it if you okay. have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, but you're right, that, that that sort of adds to the, to the you know, achievement and the feat of, of getting this film done. Um, but it would be all for nothing if the... the the actual content within the film was boring, but it's not, is it? And I think I told you, um, I'd watch a whole like series or multiple yeah. films of these people and, you know, really interesting characters. And it's that thing I want to talk about. It's like, I never thought about it before, but if you're in a kitchen, it's kind of like putting on performance, isn't it? Like a restaurant. So, you know, you've got your crew mm-hmm. and you've got some people who are behind the scenes, like, you know, the techie or the backstage crew for a play that's the you know, people putting the food together. Then you've got the front of house staff and the bar staff, I guess, in some ways, who are like, you know, the actors out there performing for the the you know paying audience or, you know, customers in this in this sense. And and in terms of that, I was like, you know, they're the pre-meeting or the, the pre-night meeting about what's happening and getting, you know, what food have we got, you know, having because the guy's been hasn't been cooking, making the right orders, so they kind of lower what they've got. They have a photo together and it's all like, you know, they're working together. I just never really thought about that because I guess I never really thought about the behind the scenes of restaurants before. Mm. And it's a, should we talk about some of the characters and who we liked and who we didn't like and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. So Andy is the main, is head chef. Mm-hmm. He's not having a good time, is he, in his life? He's having a tough time. Yeah. So we're first introduced to him when he's on the phone leaving a voicemail message for his wife and we learn or ex-wife, I think, and we learned mm. that he missed a call to his son before he went to bed. Um, and then that sort of leads into there's a health inspector at the restaurant who drops them the staff for their certain transgressions, you know, he's a really hard taskmaster. And, and Wasn't sort of, he a great performer? Though? Sorry to interrupt. I just, really he great. didn't feel like he was acting, did he? No. And <laughs> I, you know how my thing is picking when things are improvised? Yeah. So he drops the fork. Did you notice this? When he sits yeah. down at the restaurant with at the table with the guy and mm-hmm. he's giving him the results, he drops mm-hmm. the fork and then picks it up and goes, well, you have to swap that one out. Brilliant performance. Brilliant <laughs> choice as an actor because that's something that happened that wasn't supposed to happen, but you're so in character that you make it work and yeah. you come up with how that would work in that scenario. <laughs> Love it. Um, so, yeah, he's having a tough time. People in his restaurant are sort of yelling at him. Everyone seems a bit useless. Mm. Um, and then we learn some other things about him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's kind of true to life from what I know. And I've known some people who worked in restaurants in this sort of environment who, yeah, the, the environment, because of the hours they work and the high stress um, workplace, you know, given you're spending lots and lots of money, People are coming in, spending lots of money, and you know, it's a high class. It's a fancy restaurant, I should say as well. It's not like a yeah, sorry, yeah. It it's is like high, high end Michelin sort of restaurant. Yeah, totally. 
Um, and so, of course, lots of people there, they turn to, to drugs and alcohol to self-medicate or to get themselves through the night because they're so stressful or to stay awake because of the mm. hours they work. So I think it, that was a kind of manifestation of that is that, yeah, he's got personal things going on, but are his personal issues caused by his work or does his work cause a personal issues? Bit of a you know, vicious yeah. cycle there. Um, and I think he's trying his best. And at first I wasn't, because he's yelling at people and he's getting really angry, you're like, oh, this guy's just an arsehole. But then there are hidden depths to him, I think, that because of all those stresses, he's sort of, he's not the most well-adjusted guy at the moment. He's not gone through a good time. But he really does care for his workers and he's doing his best for them, even though sometimes it doesn't always work out in the best way, doesn't doesn't come out the best way. Um, and it seems like they've got a, a new front of house person at the restaurant. He's sort of kind of like running it. And yes, there is some tension there between the the kitchen staff and the front of house staff, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was quite realistic because of you know, every workplace I've been, not every workplace I've been, but like I've been exposed to, there are some people who just don't get on, you know? Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that they just made these people hate each other. <laughs> it felt very realistic to me. <laughs> well, I went to Spotlight the other day, just bear with me, and I had like a voucher thing because they were having a sale and I'm a VIP member. And I went, to oh, buy, I went to buy some fabric, right? And at Spotlight you go to the cutting table and you say, can I have mm. you know, two metres of this or whatever? And they cut it. And normally you pay for it there. But I was like, is it okay if I pay for it at the front of the store? Because I want to just have a look if there's anything else for the voucher thing. And they're like, that's fine. And so they print out a little receipt for you and I went to the front of the store. And then when I went there to that staff, this is relevant, I promise, went there to those staff at the front, front of sort of checkout area and I was like, hey, um, the people at the cutting area said I could pay for this here. Hope that's cool. Here's the receipt. The look on these people's faces, like, oh, okay. They, they've <laughs> made me deal with this and didn't let you pay up there. And I was, like, trying to explain. I was like, oh, because I wanted to have a look because I had a voucher and hmm. – they were just so annoyed at the people in the cutting area for not putting the transaction through because it meant they had to do more work, which I didn't know and I would have done it differently if I'd known. But even, yeah, that tension between two different teams in a company mm. who are responsible for different things and you're always so annoyed at everybody because it feels like they're not doing their job properly, mm-hmm. you know. I know what you mean. That, that's a great story. Sorry. <laughs> Spotlight. <laughs> That's the next film, isn't it? A 90-minute one-take around Spotlight during I'm the day. I'm here for it. That could be fun, actually. You should write that. Um, that cat comes out, all that tension boils over when the, I guess she's the sous chef. Is that the, what I'm thinking of? I think it's Carly. Yes. And she just goes off, just absolutely lays into the front of house yeah. um, woman. And it was tough to watch because it's like, you know, People are arguing in front of you, but you can't really do anything about it. You can't even look away. Yeah. <laughs> but what I liked about that, and I think it goes back to the whole one-take wonder of this film, is that there were some bits where she muffed her lines, right? And mm. that that felt realistic to me because, you know, when you do get angry and yell at somebody, you don't always lay out a, a wonderful monologue like we see in the movies. Mm-hmm. Often you, you sort of get flustered and you can't say the right words and you have to re-say re- things. And it felt just really good to me because, you know, you couldn't go back and retake it from the top, that scene, because it's all, you know, one take. So I, I thought that was even, that added to the drama, which is not something you would necessarily do if it was something where you could just do another take of that one line if the person messed up. Did you, did you 
Remember that bit at all? Well, Ooh. I don't know if you know this. There wasn't mm-hmm. dialogue. There we go. Yeah. So did they, were they, how they do it in the rehearsals and they just sort so, of, they had bits of hit. Is that the hit? Yeah. So mm. they didn't have a script with dialogue. They had dot points of what needed to happen yeah. in each section. Okay. And keen-eared listeners might know that one of my favourite films of all time, Like Crazy, um, with Felicity Jones and Anton Yelchich, they also didn't have dialogue. They had mm. bullet points to hit and it's essentially like, it's morning time, you're really tired, you haven't been connecting with your partner and you're going to pick a fight about something. Mm. Go. And then they have to, like, figure that out. And so in this film, it's a similar thing. They're like, okay, they're going to send the lamb back and then you talk about how it's not undercooked or something like that. And then they build a scene around that. So I'm not sure if like that, that scene that you're talking about, which I definitely remember Hmm. if the actors had for themselves their own dialogue in a way, like if they said a line during rehearsals and was like, Oh, that's really good. I'll say that each time Hmm. or whether it was different each time. And they, they Hmm. ad libbed it differently each time. Probably a bit of both. eh? But I would imagine there'd be things they hit. Well, in rehearsals, everyone just put a bell to. They would have. Yeah. Like, okay, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so. I agree with you. Like, it's so realistic <laughs> mm. because you don't always have a, a, you know, retort ready to go. Mm-hmm. I was reminded of this. We're watching you at the moment, season three, mm-hmm. and there's a fight between one of the main characters and their mother. Mm. And they have these perfectly polished monologues about how much they hate each other and (laughs) it's one after the other and how orderly that we all have the right thing to say. And it does feel really stiff sometimes, especially when you compare it to something like this, when you're so angry that you can't even get the words out because you just can't Mm. think clearly because you're full of Mm -hmm. rage. Well, the other thing here is that they're still in the restaurant. So like add attention of the customers around. Also, she's still trying to prepare the meals and just sort of, yeah, it all, it all sort of comes out when it shouldn't, which I think yeah. it was perfect, yeah. Um, some of the other characters. Oh, she's one of my favourite, by the way, the sous she's chef. She's great, yeah. So her and, whole thing d- during the story, sorry to interrupt you, hmm. is that she's been offered another job. And so she's trying to find a reason to stay in this job because she loves mm-hmm. Andy so much. Hmm. But it quickly becomes quite clear that she's not a good Get fit for this and they're yeah. not a good fit for her. Yeah. That was yeah. Bennett Robinson who plays Carly, by the way. Yeah, good stuff. Um, let's move on to Alistair Sky. Wonderful name for an awful character. Perfect name. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the, the former um, partner of Andy, the head chef, and now he's on some sort of master chef or other sort of celebrity chef guy. Got a bit of a profile and takes selfies of people in the in the mm-hmm. um in the restaurant, and he's just an asshole. <laughs> oh, he's just a dick. <laughs> so, 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 first of all, he's turned up unannounced, right, to his former mm-hmm. partner's restaurant. Also, he's brought a food critic. Yeah. Yeah, and which is like, not a good thing. Fine. She's on a night off. Don't even worry about it. Mm. And he's definitely having an off with her, right? Like, oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good, good. And well, I think he's trying to. I don't know if it's been reciprocated. That's the oh, vibe yeah. I got. Fair. Okay. Yeah. Up for you to think out yourself. Mm audience and yeah at first you think he's just like i don't know up himself and 
talking about all his book deals and his new TV show and stuff. You're like, oh, he's just an asshole. I think it's a bit darker, doesn't it, Sine? It does. So I, I'll admit I didn't quite follow this in the story, but mm. essentially he was accusing Andy of using his own recipes, Alistair's recipes in his new business that he mm-hmm. had, like, you know, IP rights to or whatever. Yeah. And there's also, you know, a mention of $200,000 that he owes him because of the business failed or something and he started up this one. He's also bitter as well that he wasn't invited to start up this restaurant and this restaurant's doing quite well. Um, mm. He's mm-hmm. very jealous of that. He, he for me, epitomises every asshole celebrity chef that there is. <laughs> like, yes. I don't want to get sued, but, like, there's a certain chef who yells at people quite a lot and it's exactly how I imagine him to be. And I, I get the feeling as well that in their previous partnership, Andy was the brains, but Alistair is the one who's got the profile and Mm -hmm. does the celebrity wheeling and dealing. And so I think they both kind of want what the other one has. And, yeah, to be honest, I'd have to watch it again to sort of pass out the details of what's going on. But I got the impression that Alistair has gone into debt. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I think maybe he lent money to Andy or potentially he believes he lent money to Andy, that Andy owes him money, so... Yeah. Yes, the guy who's so successful on the surface is actually coming around to his old mate trying to get money out of him, um, which is always difficult and even more difficult when you've got a profile and also very difficult when it's you know a few weeks before Christmas and you haven't ordered the right food for the restaurant and everyone's mm-hmm. jumping on your neck about it and the food inspector's been there. It's kind of not just one thing going wrong, it's everything going wrong for Andy tonight, isn't it? Which is what it feels like when things go wrong. It's like everything at once happens. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly right. You're getting it from above, beyond, mm. next to you, b- below you. It's all, all everywhere. And, you know, the pressure you know, reaches a boiling point, doesn't it, Sine? Ah, there we go. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> I will just say narratively, I didn't find that the storyline with the celebrity chef was was completed for me. Like, I guess the end result is that Andy yells at him but it's not really resolved. And I'm not sure whether that was intentional or not. Did you feel like that or is it just me? Well, arguably none of the storylines are resolved, which I think is what we might get to Yes. in a minute. But I know what you mean. I, I... I was waiting for some sort of like yes, very clear explanation as to what happened. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like a lot yeah, of this yeah, is being alluded to by Alistair and Andy doesn't really 
says a couple of things, but he doesn't really challenge him too much. Mm-hmm. And I was just waiting for, oh, this is what actually happened and I can see that this is why he's pissed off and, yeah. But I, I, I totally get what you mean, which we'll get into in a second. Yeah, and, like, in some ways I like that with the film, he sort of just dropped into Andy's life and stuff's happened before it and stuff's going to happen after it or stuff's happening tonight and so we're just sort of watching it. We're not sort of laid out in detail every single thing. But you're right, it would have been maybe just a little bit nicer to have some of that cleared up and... yeah. And at the ending, we'll get to in a moment. I think I didn't mind how it ended, but I think you could have done the same ending but resolved more things. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the ending. <laughs> no, well, let's talk about some other characters, and we'll come to the ending. Sure. I think it might be a good place to end, if you know what I mean. <laughs> now, the the wait staff slash the bar staff, mm-hmm. I thought they were really fun, and they've sort of got, I guess, the fun job. They've got to be there entertaining people, haven't they? That's kind yeah. of yeah. You know, we talk about emotional labor. That's some of the emotional labor that um, people in service jobs have. You've got to try and make everyone make sure they're having a good night. No matter and what you're going through as well, you have to. Yeah, yeah, that's put a good on performance them. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there was the um, seemingly um, gay um, waiter mm-hmm. who was just <laughs> hilarious, and he's talking to the girls who are on like a like a hands night or just a girl's night out. Yeah. And he kept talking about his DJing. Perfect. <laughs> and it was so funny because he's like, you know, we've, we've all been there. We've had a really nice waiter and they're just like, you're so engaging. You're like, oh, my God, I'm going to tip them so well. Mm-hmm. And then so he does all that, all the right things. Those are all the right things to the girls. And then the split second after he turns away from him, he just, he just totally drops and he's like, obviously hates them all. Yeah. What do you think of that? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all been there, haven't we? Yeah. I remember, wasn't there someone you used to work with um, who would just sort of roll his eyes to you on the sly when people were around? Yes. Yes, yeah. It, it, that sort of thing was captured quite well there. We've all been there. Like, you know, you take a phone call if you're in an office job sometimes and you do that to your co-workers. Like, it's, it all happens. Um, what I, I thought was really interesting, though, was we mentioned there was the um, really tough table. Mm. So it was like, it seemed like a mum and a dad and a daughter and a new boyfriend. And the dad seemed nice at first, but it didn't take long for him to be revealed as uh, pretty awful and racist towards the, the wait staff. And uh, that was so difficult. And he didn't, didn't know his lamb, Sinead. Even I knew that <laughs> about the lamb. It's got to be I pink, had, eh? When he goes, what's the most expensive on the menu? Yeah. It's like, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Something I find interesting about that relationship and dynamic and how it plays out, though, is so essentially there's two waitresses who wait on his table right there's a blonde mm. white girl who's who's the first one and she's like i'm going to be your waiter for this evening and then mm-hmm. because things happen another girl mm. comes and becomes their waiter yeah the whole point is like oh didn't they teach you people how to pour wine properly you know they mm. pick on her so much but the original girl made an issue made an error she goes oh what water would you like you know ta- is tap water good and he goes, oh, don't you have any bottled water? And she's like, oh, of course, we have bottled water. I'm so sorry, have that. But that mistake isn't treated as an issue because yeah. he's racist, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, yeah. that's fine. The white person made an error. But as soon as the black person does, that's just, you know, impossible mm-hmm. to cope with. Yeah, but I believe that's pretty true to life for mm. some some assholes out there. It's also funny when he, he made his, um, his, girlf- his daughter's 
new boyfriend drink alcohol when he didn't want to. Like, yeah. just everything about him just knew the sort of guy he was and just not the sort of guy you want to be around. No. So great performance, I suppose, and great acting and directing there <laughs> to make yeah. me think that. Um, I thought, I think it's Robin is the young, pretty white waitress. And I just thought that was so true to life as well because she comes in late again, as you're saying, but gets away with it because everyone mm-hmm. loves her. And she's like, it seems like he's an audition or something, I think they said. Yeah. And you can just know people like that who can just walk in late and everyone loves them and they're just all talking about how she's doing and they just want to chat and sort of sit around and chat to her rather than do any work. And it just, I thought that again was a great, you know, confluence of writing, directing, acting where it's like you, you definitely have people like that who just light up the room when they walk around and, you know, maybe she's not the best waitress as we've been seeing, maybe the other girl's better, but yeah, she gets all the attention because, you know, blonde hair, etc. Not her fault, I guess, but, you know, just, again, it felt very true to life. Um, not so much that I know all the willing to dealings of working behind the scenes at a restaurant, but it did feel realistic and, um, yeah, that's great quality for a film to have. Uh, these two other characters I want to talk about just briefly don't get a lot of play, but they're the pastry chefs in the in the back. Yeah. Um, again, I've been talking about how much I love this film, right? I kind of felt like that storyline could have had a bit more to it. Because it was dealing with some very, you know, complex issues. Yeah. But it was very well done, don't get me wrong, but I kind of feel like I might be wanted more of that given the, the content. Shall we go into detail about it more so we can explain it? Sure. So there's a pastry chef in the back who's preparing some stuff and she's got a new sous chef who's quite young and this is maybe his first restaurant he's worked in and mm-hmm. she asks him, you know, you need to roll your sleeves up because you're going to get them dirty and tries to yeah. pull them up and he's got self-harm scars all down his Mm. arm and it's the most beautiful moment in the film because she starts crying Mm -hmm. and she just completely becomes like a maternal figure for him and hugs him and says we're going to talk about this but not right now because there's other people around but you know Mm. i'm here for you and it's okay and and it's so heartbreaking because he makes the most beautiful like lemon curd <laughs> and gives it to the chef and the chef's like this is amazing you know and it makes you come back for more and yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's so it's so beautiful it's my favorite moment of this film because it's so yeah. touching Actually, maybe maybe it doesn't need more maybe i was wrong maybe maybe I, it was perfect how it was i, I think i think you want more because of how well done it was yeah and true. i think you're like oh that was so good i want more of it but maybe mm. the fact that that was it made it so good do you know what yeah, i mean absolutely it was just yeah, this yeah. small little moment in this whirlwind of a film whirlwind of an evening Mm. um it it was just so beautiful beautiful performances by both of them and yeah yeah it was just that unconditional support in the moment yeah which is yeah beautiful to see i just want to mention another table of of, of customers that night who i hate the instagrammers well these are three guys who wanted steak and chips at a fancy restaurant Yes. Yeah, they're the Instagrams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And want to get a picture with Alistair and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate them. They come in. It's like every cliche of an influencer that you think. It's like, (laughs) can you give me free whatever because I have X number of followers on my account? And they're like, no. Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) This is a restaurant. We accept money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they just want steak and chips. I'm like, there are plenty of places you can get steak and chips. Don't come to a fancy restaurant. Well, this is the tension, isn't it, between front of house Mm. staff? Because they're like, Mm -hmm. sure, we can get you steak and chips. And then Carly is like, it's not on the menu. We don't have steak. (laughs) Like, that's where the big blow up comes. Promise them that they can have steak. 
Yeah, oh, it's like cool. what, at what point is the customer not always right? You know, then, <laughs> I reckon I think. the amount of like torment and torture that service staff have to mm. endure because of that one line. Person who ever yeah. said that's got a lot to answer for. Uh-huh. I exactly right. Um, so they were annoying. And finally, or maybe he's more, but one I talk about at least, I think it was Tony who was the the dish pig in the back, mm. who does not want to do it, have a job. Clearly, he doesn't do a job. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's a dish pig in the background, in the back, who turns up late. He goes to like, I'll go take the bins out. Instead, he goes and scores some drugs and just chill out for a bit. <laughs> like, just wanted to shake him. Yeah. <laughs> like, just do your job, mate. I know. He's the worst. Yeah, And then he, everyone hates him, right, because he's not doing anything. But what he does is say to Andy, I took the bins out, and Andy's like, thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. That really needed doing. Uh-huh. I'm really so appreciative. And it's, it's just that dynamic of how, like, little the person in charge actually knows about what's going on, yeah. like the day-to-day mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yeah. There is one table that we need to finish on, and that's Ooh. the young couple. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Let's go for it. <laughs> so... He's prepared it's going to be, you know, going to propose at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, though, typical women, she's got dietary issues. I couldn't even get through it. Do I'm not know? that sort of person. Yeah. No, he, everyone's listening like, what an asshole. He was trying to be funny there. <laughs> yeah, no, she's got dietary issues. And I think it's actually really great that more restaurants and, you know, food in general these days is, is more accommodating of people who have yeah. um, all these dietary issues. Because um, even 10 years ago, you wouldn't have that no. level of, of care, would you? So it's wonderful. So we've got a, a little case of the Chekhov's peanut, don't we? <laughs> yes. With this. <laughs> She's allergic to peanuts, guys. We can't have peanuts yep. in anything. Yep. Can't just... We told you in the email. You wrote it down again. You reminded everybody. Yep. We it all know didn't go in the system, Lacey, I don't think. It didn't go in the system. But so that wasn't the issue. That's not mm. how the faux pas occurred. The faux pas occurred... It's this new chef from France who's a bit un- not used to this style of cooking, I think. And Andy yeah, and tells also, her, yeah, the second language too, I'm guessing. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. Andy tells her to use another salad dressing without thinking and, mm-hmm. oh, behold, there's peanuts in the salad dressing. Yep. Um, I was waiting for it the whole film. Like as soon as they're like, there's a peanut allergy, I'm like, mm, here we go. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yep, you can't, you can't lay that out in, in scene in act one and then not have it come back in exactly. act three so definitely yeah, yeah and of course the ambulance gets called and she's having an electric reaction and alistair sky being the great guy he is is organizing he gets who the can take ambulance the fall there. for it yep well. working out yep exactly oh that uh, was really tense wasn't it like the whole film's yeah. tense but that especially was a good way to end it well climax it i should say it really was yeah um and it's great and i haven't really talked about him yet but kind of i guess See the meat chef? I don't know what you call it. I'm obviously not Tony? into this. To- I think. Is that Tony? Oh, no, Freeman. Freeman, yeah. So he's he's the one who's doing more of the the meat cooking. Meat chef, I think they call it, actually. Oh, I don't, are they called meat chefs? I think they call them meat chefs, aren't they? Okay. Um, he quite rightly points out that the issue isn't the person. Every issue they've had that night is because of Andy, yeah. either directly or indirectly. So he's the only he's one so, who says it as well, you know. And it's like. To, it's kind of that, that meme, it's like, it's right, but do you have to say it now? Like, Yeah. But you do. Someone had to. Someone had to. So you think about everything that's gone wrong 
in the night. Mm. Not everything. Maybe you know, some of the customers, they're just annoying, right? But yeah. part of the issue is that Andy is supposed to be the head chef running everything, but he hasn't got his head on straight. He's dealing with his personal issues and is neglecting his work. And that's resulted in not having the right food orders. Mm-hmm. He isn't able to establish a relationship with Beth, who is the front of house yeah. um, organizer. So there's issues there that sort of filter all the way down to, you know, people on the floor. He's not, he wasn't active in the food inspection and he wasn't even really across that. And, you know, if the people are trained correctly, you know, hopefully, theoretically, you won't have these sort of issues come about. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, very directly as well, he's the one who told the lady to put the, the wrong dressing in the salad, which made the, that all happen. Um, I, thought, I thought it was a really interesting way of approaching a situation because, you know, all sorts of things go wrong in life and we've seen that you know, very drastically with things like COVID and, you know, hotel quarantine, all these COVID vaccinations, getting the right shots in the right spot and whatever, is that, yeah, there are lots of things that can go wrong, but often a lot of it comes down to leadership at the top, right? Mm-hmm. So then the end, Sine, and the ending, I wish it was different. Me too. <laughs> so We're going to spoil the ending so you don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, if you've come this far, Sine, what happens at the end? They kill him off. Yeah. It's revealed that he has a drug and alcohol problem. So the water bottle, again, Chekhov's water bottle, he's been drinking True. all night. <laughs> Chekhov's water bottle is full of vodka slash yes. gin, uh-huh. some sort of hard liquor. Mm. Um, and he goes to his little office in the back and snorts some cocaine. Um, and then promises that he'll go to rehab. Yep. Yeah, and then walks back and probably has a heart attack. Kills over. Yeah. yeah, so like I guess there's a possibility that he just a heart attack and he might pull through, but that's not kind of the impression it's not, really. It's not framed that way in the film, no. I think. I'm like, I think I said to you at the time, like I just kind of felt like it ran out of puff at a certain point. It's like, oh, okay, we're, we're at page ninety or you know minute ninety of this film. What can happen? Oh, he dies. I guess it's, it sort of felt to me like they didn't know how to wrap it up. That's that's how I felt. They didn't know what to do with this character after. Asking so many questions, throwing so many things at the wall, mm-hmm. seeing what's stuck, that they're like, "I oh, will just kill him." Yeah, and like, I would have been happier, I think, if we just had him go back to his, as you say, go back, take some drugs, then cry and promise that he will go to rehab. And we're not sure whether that's something he does regularly, that sort of that mm-hmm. routine. If he just went back into the restaurant and we went fade to black, like oh, I think no, that would have been say cool. Fade to black, yes, because yeah. the whole thing is like it's perpetual, right? So yep. it doesn't matter the personal struggles you go on. The show must go on. The restaurant must go mm-hmm. on. I I thought that was a good, just fade, like total simple thing to do. And we've and we've just cut into ninety minutes of this guy's life. Yep. And we're doing our best to try and be with him and experience his life, and then it's going to keep going on. He past has to the go film. on without us, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of frustrated they didn't do that because it's such a simple mm. thing. <laughs> I know. And and to me it screams of like, I don't know, maybe that's not the effect that the director wanted, you know, no, to remember so it's Why do you film. think it was written like that then? You're a writer. You've just got a degree in writing. What What's the what's the thinking? Well, like I, I don't know. I don't want to be too mean. It seems to me like they didn't know what else to do. Mm. Like it's part of my course that I've done, I've edited a lot of people's pieces and mm. the pieces where they kill off the characters, it's done because they don't know what else to do with them, you know. Sometimes yeah. it's a really cheap thing. Perhaps there's no direction about what you want to do. Perhaps you're, you don't want someone else to jump in and go, oh, we could make this a series. Maybe if you really want a standalone film and you're like, I'm going yeah, to guarantee. end it, it's my thing. Mm. 
I mean, it is a tragic evening and, and it's not so yeah. out of left field, I guess, because things keep going wrong, keep going wrong, keep escalating. But it just didn't really... I think I think the issue is it's so melodramatic, mm. right? And that didn't vibe with the such yeah, like a- strong realism of the film and and mm. sort of immersive experience. Mm. And then they go straight for the cliche of "I oh, will kill him off." It just didn't have like I don't know. Yeah, what Do if he just mean? left? Maybe what if he just get walking? He just left the whole restaurant altogether. That could have been a fun ending, or or just going back into it. We see him. Yeah. His shoulders slump and he walks back into the main part of the restaurant and people are coming yelling at him, fade to black. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. That said, great film for them. And <laughs> yes. it doesn't really take away from the rest of it. It's just kind of a, it's got us thinking, I guess, about it, the it ending. It doesn't stick the landing. I'll say that. Yeah, I'd say that. But, you know. But the journey up more. to the landing, mm. all the twists and the flips and stuff are great. Is this gymnastics reference working? I think so. Okay, great. And I'd be really into, as I said, watching a whole series of this sort of thing of like just putting on a restaurant. I think that could be a cool, you know, maybe there has been films and TV shows about this, but I reckon it'd be interesting. Definitely. So, as I said, it might not be out at the moment where you are, but it will be soon. So please keep an eye out for it. Hopefully it'll come to streaming as well if that's, you know, you know where you get your films. Probably do. Shall we give it a rating, name? Oh, we shall. I'm going to give it... Are you calculating each individual star? Yeah, sorry, I hear the brain. It's like... 4.1 out of 5. All right. Reasons being, great film. Loved it. Yeah. Ending took a little away from me. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, maybe 4.2, actually. Okay. Yeah, 4.2. I really loved it. I thought it was really great. Mm. Technically, it was brilliant. Some story elements I thought was great. Dialogue was great for being improvised. Mm. None of the performances let let the film down, I don't think. I'm trying to no, recognize. I, think so. I think they were all bringing their A game. Just perhaps it didn't completely come together for me at the end. Just, yeah. Mm. Mm. What are you going to rate it? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, I guess four and a half stars. Mm-hmm. So, like, kind of, you know, I'm a pretty easy reviewer. So, if I love something, I give it five stars. But just like, just that ending. And, you know, the ending of him dying, not so keen on, but also just some of the elements could have been resolved a little bit more as well. Even just a hint, like, you know, just a hint maybe that the the family left, you know, with the, the awful dad, if he had left maybe and shoved somebody, like, you know, just like some sort of, just got to feel, everything felt hanging, didn't it? Yeah. Apart from, well, everything pretty much. Yeah. Um, just a little tidbit for you today. Mm. Stephen Graham has played Andy and Hannah Walters, who played Emily, was the, the really nice pastry chef. Mm-hmm. They're married in real life, or oh, together really? at least. Oh, yeah, pretty cool, yeah. There you go. Mm. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Well, thank you very much for listening. Really hope you get to see Boiling Point at some point. Maybe we'll come back to Palace potentially or somewhere else. Our name is I Don't Like You on Movies. We're on Twitter, aren't we, Sinead? We are. Always get a little update each week from Sinead. Try my best to find a little gif. <laughs> You do, you do. It's good stuff. I wonder what I'm going to find for Boiling Point because I yeah, doubt what, they're um, going to be in the in the mm, search. Mm. Mm, stay tuned. What a cliffhanger. What <laughs> gif will I use on the tweet? <laughs> um, it, you know, given the way that 2021 has worked out, we've got some pods coming up soon for films that have, might have been out for a little while. But you know what? You want to have thoughts, I'm sure. Things like Eternals, um, Made, 
um, James Bond, probably a little bit away because Sinead's still got to find some time to see it. But, you know, it's all coming. Just relax, okay? Is anyone that concerned? Well, I'm concerned, Sinead, that <laughs> at the time of recording, we're only a few weeks away from Emily and Paris coming back mm-hmm. and we haven't had time to rewatch the first season. So... Listen, I'm happy for you to rewatch it for us. I'm happy. I'm happy to let go of that really necessary thing that I need to do. Mm. They got invited to the embassy. Sorry, what? <laughs> what is happening? They got invited to the French embassy in Washington DC. What is happening in life? And I think it's. I think it's totally appropriate. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, let's make deal with that. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.